I'm Colleen, and this podcast is an inside look at recovery, which I define as a lifelong journey to get out of your own way and become your own best friend. Join me for mindset upgrades that move you from worry and regret to resilience and confidence. I'll share easy strategies for how to feel better without having to make major changes. Because it's not what you do, it's who you are. Self-care is the path to recovery because our needs are not negotiable. So as you can tell from the title, I chose to have a small amount of wine last night and I want to share my thought processes on that. I want to let you know how it felt and what my takeaways are and how you might apply some of what I've learned into your own goals and define recovery in how you want to define it. You know, I have been through several phases of sobriety. When I first quit drinking, I went to AA because that was the only sober community that I knew to go to. And while I never truly believed that I was an alcoholic, whatever that meant, I was willing to go along with the tenets of the philosophy because it it brought me solace. It brought me connection in a community and I needed that. And it took months, really almost a full year, before I realized there were other approaches to sobriety. And I use the term sobriety loosely and interchangeably with recovery. I now define sobriety as a form of self-care. I am as committed to my sobriety as I am my sleep or eating healthy or regular exercise. I don't want alcohol to define me in any way whether I'm a drinker or a non-drinker. I want to live by my own rules. And I think that I'll always have rules, but I think that, you know, it's the exception that makes the rule. And I lived as a hardcore staunch vegan for, well, five years hardcore. And then due to some health problems, I expanded my definition, but I really struggled with my thought processes around what I was eating far more than what I was eating. And I learned a lot from that. And one of them is that rigid rules don't lead to happiness. And my real goal in my life is to become a person who lives according to my intuition and who trusts my truth far more than what other people think I should be doing. That is ultimately my goal. And, you know, back to the AA thing, for them, it seems like overall, of course, these are generalizations, but it seems like overall the goal of AA is for people to remain 100% air quotes around the word sober. And so success is defined by a complete lack of alcohol and it has nothing to do necessarily with your happiness. Now, I don't want to I don't want to say negative things about AA because the 12 step process that they put you through can be as awesome and as as deep and as spiritual as you want it to be. And there are people who go through the AA process that I would model my life after 100 percent. And then there are people who are in AA and like any other organizations, they're just assholes. And they found themselves a mountain that, you know, they like the philosophy and they're going to proselytize, you know, all of that. And 
so I, I was willing to go along with that as long as that's what I needed until I could go out and, and figure out what else might be true and what else I wanted to believe. And one of the, the things that I, I have, have wanted to feel like is that um, kind of like Annie Grace says, I drink as much alcohol as often as I want, whenever I want. The truth is I just don't have a desire to drink alcohol. And more and more for me, the more I've given myself permission to decide if I ever want to have a drink, for sure, go for it. The more of, of committed I've been to staying sober. You know, it's kind of like giving your child a choice. You know, if you've ever given like a four-year-old, like, you know, some adult privileges and you're like, well, what would you like to do? They take that so seriously. And I had the same reaction inside my body when I truly thought and, and meant that I was free to make that decision for myself. And I waited, you know, I noticed at the one year mark of my sobriety that I had started to think that I should celebrate my sobriety with a drink. And I caught that and, and used that as a red flag because if you've just had an amazing year of crawling out of a hole, which for me, the first year of sobriety was crawling out of a hole and resetting my brain chemistry and making sense of my thoughts and feelings and undoing codependent habits and setting goals. Like I had worked so hard in that first year and don't let me scare you. You work hard when you're managing a drinking problem. I had, it wasn't that I worked hard so much because I have always worked hard at whatever I'm doing. I actually was making progress. And so if, if in my brain, I could look at a year of progress and say that I should celebrate that with alcohol to me, that just sounded like a big red flag and that I wasn't there yet and that it wouldn't do me any favors. And I didn't want to reintroduce too soon and then, you know, set myself back. It wasn't that I feared getting back on track. You know, that's another goal that I have is that I want to be the type of person who doesn't fear taking risks because I know I can self-correct. But, you know, at my age, I'm almost 50 years old. I have learned that sometimes it doesn't hurt to listen to what other people say. <laughs> sometimes it doesn't hurt, you know, if enough people say that once you've quit drinking, if you had a problem, you know, and I would definitely qualify as somebody who had a drinking problem. Um, if enough people who've had drinking problems and then gone back to drinking at some point say that they end up back where they started very quickly, I'm willing to listen to that. And the longer I've lived without alcohol, the better I felt. And the more I just realized it's just crazy. You know, it's, do we all sit around talking about when we're going to start smoking cigarettes again? Or, you know, I don't drink pop anymore and I don't spend a lot of time thinking about if I'm ever going to start drinking Coke again. You know, it's kind of crazy the different rules and context that we put alcohol in, given that it's in, you know, neurotoxic, addictive, depressant, carcinogenic drug, we, we just kind of forget that. And luckily, because of what I do as a coach, I've made this my job and alcohol is my niche. So I'm never too far away from being reminded of all of that. But I can tell you what, if you aren't keeping yourself steeped in the mindsets as well as the truth surrounding alcohol, of course it would be very easy to find yourself on a slippery thought process 
that, you know, maybe it wouldn't hurt to go back. And so I have, it's not that I have feared, but I've just been willing to just not really open that door. Like I don't need or want to think about it. I've got enough problems in my life that I'm trying to solve in my crazy brain at any given moment that I really don't need to dedicate any of my bandwidth to the alcohol question. But after I reached the second year mark of sobriety, I felt like I was capable of making a decision in any given moment to have a drink. And I do make a difference between drinking and having a drink. I don't think they're the same thing. Um, I do will never change my opinion that alcohol is harmful. I do not understand the biochemistry of it and just the fact that it would interfere with my sleep. Um, you know, it's one of those things where you think it relaxes you, but in the end, a couple hours after the buzz wears off, the cortisol levels are higher. I don't need my cortisol levels to be higher. I got enough stress in my life. And so it's never come up for me to a point where I'm like, yes, it would be a good idea to drink right now because I always think what would be a better idea is to just go to bed. Like if, I'm, if I need to relax, then I need to go to bed. And at the same time, I understand that alcohol is part of our culture, much like foods that I wouldn't choose to eat if I was alone. I am not... I am no longer the type of person who wants to have all of these rigid rules and go to a birthday party where I can't have a bite of cake. To be quite honest, I don't want a bite of cake. I don't do sugar. I don't like the way it feels in my body. I feel about sugar much the same way about alcohol. Like I don't want to be this, I don't want my beliefs about it to separate me from my community but at the same time, I'm good and I don't want any. So fast forward to last night and my husband, um, we're having a sad situation. His mom is in the process of passing away. It could be any day now, probably by the time this posts, she'll be gone. And it's just been a really heartbreaking time. And he is, he still occasionally drinks. He's a wine connoisseur, read wine snob, which I was as well. And we have a lot of wines in our home um, that we've purchased from Napa, you know, and he pulls out a bottle of wine that was from 2010, very expensive, that was attached to some very special memories to him that included both me and his mother. And he wanted to toast this wine. And as he is very respectful of what I'm doing, he didn't even offer me any. Uh, he got my 18-year-old daughter to have some. And I'm talking about like an ounce. You know, he was pouring a little bit. Um, but the two of them were there. And I was like, you know what? If there's a time, this is it. Like, it's not a thing. I don't need to do it. But I could and it would be okay. Like, I could and it would be okay. And because I have not gotten to that point yet, I've still kind of like got it in my mind that I'm looking for that opportunity. And I was like, full body, yeah, this is the time. And so I told him, I go, you know what? Don't leave me out of this. Like, let's do this. Now, I didn't have the belief that I was being left out. I didn't have the belief that it would be better if I participated. 
It was just like adding the cherry on the top of a three-dimensional experience. It was, it was a ceremonial thing. And so he poured me, it was probably less than an ounce. You know, it was a very small wine glass and it basically filled the bottom. I think I had about four sips. And we drank it together and I savored it and I tasted it. And I did not run off the rails with, oh, I want more. In fact, I didn't want more because aforementioned beliefs, I want to sleep well and we've got a lot of stress going on in our lives. And I'm not under the impression that pouring alcohol on grief is a good idea or stress, you know? And so I did not want more, but I did really enjoy that, that experience. I can say it was better because I participated and it would have been fine without it. But what was better is that I am not fearful of my own brain and of my own beliefs. And I know I can trust myself. And that is ultimately what we're all chasing, isn't it? You know, we just want to be the type of person who can trust our thoughts inside of our brain and know how to manage our emotions and know how to make good decisions for ourselves. And when we don't like the consequences of a decision, self-correct and change it. To me, that is what recovery is. And so I'm sharing with this this with you, not because I see this as some sort of full circle moment where, you know, almost three years after I quit drinking, I was able to reintroduce alcohol. Because if that is your takeaway, you've missed my entire point. That is not the point. The point is alcohol has no power over me. And I actually shared this on a call I did today. Uh, we were on day four of the Change Your Mind Challenge, which by the way, if you're listening, it's been fabulous. And I have actually packaged the program so that you can purchase it and watch the videos. Anybody that purchases it, it's $44 and it's so worth your money. Um, and it will take you through the process of how to change your mind. I'll plug it at the end. Let me get back to my story. But anyway, I'll put the, the link in the show notes. But anyway, I shared on the call this morning um, that I had made this decision last night and how it went and how I felt about it. And one of the gals on the call shared, uh, and, and this was safe space totally, and it was totally fine, but she's like, I'm almost disappointed to hear that. And I would just welcomed that opinion and, and asked her to elaborate. She's like, because I perceive you as perfect and I perceive you as, you know, you've made it to the other side. And I really invited the entire group to look at that belief because first of all, there's no such thing as perfect. Like perfect is an illusion that's created by your brain based on whatever opinion you're holding in any given minute. Perfect is like trying to nail jello to a tree. We're constantly changing what perfect is. And we don't realize that it is an ever shifting bar that is really created in our mind externally, like it, there is, there is perfect is a different opinion at all times. And so the fact, I, I really liked this, the discomfort and the paradox that running a change your mind about alcohol challenge was that I got to like throw a link into it and just be like, what else could this mean? You know, and she interpreted my uh, decision as which it wasn't, she was very open to what I was saying, but initially her response was that, 
somehow I had done something wrong or fallen from grace. And I just loved it. I love the messiness of being human and how complex that is. And ultimately, I reframed it for her and I said, you know what? I have reached my goal to not be defined by alcohol. I have reached my goal to trust my intuition. I have reached my goal to be a person who can take or leave alcohol. And ultimately, my, uh, my priority is to take care of my body at, at, at all times and, and to prioritize my peace of mind over anything else, including other people's peace of mind. And I want to reiterate, I did not have that drink for my husband's peace of mind. I just felt like participating. It's not complicated. Like we don't even have to complicate it. And today's uh, day four of the challenge was all was talking about how the goal or the hypothesis that you could start with is is that none of your thoughts are true anyway. Like whatever you think is just a thought in your head and there the only truth is something that 100% of 100 well 100% of people would agree with 100% of the time otherwise you're dealing with an opinion you know and feelings aren't aren't facts they are uh responses that your body is having to whatever it is you're thinking and so my opinion might change again in the future you know maybe I'll go back to being 100% um against alcohol like you know there's there's never a time and place I don't know but I'm not afraid to find out what I feel because the only way you know what you really feel is if you're not afraid to feel it if you're not afraid to look at it and to examine it and for the most part we're not afraid of alcohol we're afraid about of our feelings not just about alcohol but about anything which is why we use alcohol to um, you know relieve ourselves of those pesky little feelings but true freedom is not being afraid of your feelings True freedom for me last night was not being afraid to do what I did and then find out that it was a mistake. I don't think it was, but I wasn't afraid to find out. That to me is recovery. And so I wanted to share that with you. And I don't think I finished my thought where I was saying that some of you may have clicked on this to see, you know, okay, so how long do I have to wait before I can start drink again? You know, if the only motivation to quit drinking is to prove to yourself that you don't have an alcohol problem or to give yourself time and space to dry out and figure some shit out and then go back. If that's your only goal, well, you know what? Whatever gets you in the door. There's nothing wrong with that. The way you think isn't wrong right now in this moment. It's really just how does what your thought, how how does that thought impact you? How does it make you feel? And how is that working out? Um, I do share this with you because I want to be fully open and share what you know my process is so that you can see a real person in real time and if i end up you know if i end up making a mistake i'll share it with you because there's just no shame you know perfect which like i said it's an ideal but perfection isn't attractive anyway who likes perfect people i mean seriously vulnerability is the key to connection when we get real with each other, that to, to me is far more valuable than checking all the boxes or getting everything right or meeting somebody else's approval. Um, and, you know, this today when when the response was that there was some disappointment in me, I checked myself for some feelings that, that you know, I had let somebody down and I was like, ah, 
even that, like I could feel that too. I'm not, it's not going to kill me to, to feel like maybe I let somebody down. I didn't because I put the alcohol into my body, not hers. <laughs> and turns out that, you know, a couple tablespoons of wine, uh, it didn't interrupt my sleep. Uh, it didn't even turn my teeth purple. It was good. And I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed not feeling like I couldn't. That was really great. So, um, yeah, and that's, that's the other thing with sobriety. The, the, there's a big difference between I can't drink and I prefer not to. So I encourage you to try these thoughts on. And I will say, again, I'll put the Change Your Mind Challenge in the show notes so that you can click on the link if you want to sign up for that. It is the best thing I've ever done. I got to toot my own horn. Um, and it's, it's only up to this date, you know. Uh, it, it might be better, not might be, it will be better next time I do it. But I'm super proud of what I put together. The, the five days um, are basically how to change your mind, not just about alcohol, but about sobriety and what it means to quit drinking. What does it mean? And we go into sobriety, we all do, because we're in pain and it's a problem. And there's just a better way, once you get the alcohol out of your system, you realize there's so much to learn and there's so much to experience and life gets so rich. And so I walk you through the process of how to change your mind. We go through, you know, what intrusive thoughts are and how to combat them. We go through the nervous system of what's really happening when you're in a stress response and how intrusive thoughts feed and fuel the cycle of what I call emotional inflammation and that trying to change your beliefs or your thoughts when your brain is inflamed with stress is like trying to get your ring off a finger when it's swollen. You know, you got to deal with the nervous system first. And that's why ultimately to me, sobriety is a form of self-care. You got to get the alcohol out of your brain. And then the second day of the challenge, I talk about alcohol in the brain and the biochemistry of how alcohol causes a stress response. And, you know, that stress those stress hormones linger in your body long after the buzz is gone um, and can stay there for days. And I, I explain the cycle of drinking and how when you are drinking, it's not because so much the drinking feels good. Um, it's because not drinking feels bad because alcohol is a drug. And if you're a regular drinker, you're in a chronic state of withdrawal unless you're drinking. So I encourage you to check that out. I'm getting great feedback about about it, and I'll post testimonials as soon as they come in from this round. But um, you know, stop trying to change your behavior uh, and control your drinking. Uh, what What's my favorite thing to say? It's it's not when you're trying to become a better drinker. You know, control yourself, keep it to two, and you've tried everything to do that, including medications, including you know, googling and self help books and comparing yourself to others and distracting yourself with busyness in the evenings or early morning when you've tried everything and you still can't control your drinking it's time to realize that you can control your thinking and that's where you go to make real changes that transform you into the person that you want to be and that you get to choose who you want to be okay so that's enough for today let me know how this um episode resonates for you. And if you have any thoughts or feedback on that, um, I look forward to hearing from you. Um, thank you. And I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. 
If you liked what you heard, please take the time to rate and review the show so that other people can find it. I really appreciate it. And check out the show notes for any resources I've mentioned, including links to follow me on Instagram and join my private Facebook group where I connect with my tribe every day. I love it in there and we have so much fun. And finally, if you're ready to redefine sobriety so that you can feel excited about quitting drinking, follow the link to my 10 Days to Spontaneous Sobriety course, where I will help you eliminate, eradicate, obliterate, cancel your desire to drink. Because looking and feeling your best is addictive too. I'll see you soon.